2 Timothy chapter 2. Our very last Wednesday evening of the year. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We've titled today's message, a message that's going to be for the time, a message that's going to be for the season or the end of the year. And the title of the message is Be Strong and Be Faithful. Be strong and be faithful. You know, we, we've come now to the end of 2020, which was a very difficult year for us to navigate through for, for many reasons. Um, among those that we've seen of loss in, in, in businesses, loss in, of life, of family members, potentially health, compromise. But one thing has not changed, and that is the goodness and the grace of God. Amen. So we see here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 that really what Paul is doing is he's ending now the, his ministry and he's ending now his, his letter over to Timothy. And, and we've heard it before it say that it's not about really about how you start, it's about how you finish. <laughs> it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. And tonight we've come because we want to finish the right way. Tonight we've come to church because we want to finish at the right place. And I want to ask you maybe, how is it that you're looking forward to finishing this year? It's not simply about if you finish it, but how will you finish it, right? Uh, tonight as, as a body, we've, we've come and we're going to finish at what should be the preferred place for the Christian. We're going to finish at the cross, and we're going to choose to make sure that there's no unfinished business between us and God at the cross. That we resolve and that we take care of everything, that we repent of anything that we need to because we do not want to end this year with anything that we are holding on to or carrying on to the following year that God has called us to let go. You see, more important than a New Year's resolution, it's day-to-day it's -day repentance that's needed. Day-to-day -day repentance that's needed. Because without repentance, progress and perfection is impossible. Without repentance, progress and perfection is impossible. Now here what, what Paul is doing is he's writing now to Timothy who is facing opposition. Just like me and you and all of us have been facing opposition throughout the entire year. You might have felt opposition, but you never were overcome if you kept your eyes on Jesus. You might have felt the opposition, but you weren't defeated if you kept your eyes on the Lord. You know that this year you don't have to end defeated because your eyes are on Jesus Christ? Well, Paul here is calling Timothy, and as he writes to him, to really overcome this apparent drift into weaknesses and renew his commitment in ministry. He's saying, I don't want you to drift into a discouragement or a season of discouragement. I don't want you to enter into a, a, a season of rut or of weakness now where you no longer are able to stay obedient. So he leaves them here with a few things. And first, he says, don't be led astray. You see, don't be led astray because there are too many distractions that can discourage you now. And he does, he's going to describe here a pattern for us or the mentality of someone who is effectively serving the Lord. The mentality 
or the pattern of someone who is effectively serving the Lord. And you're going to see him now describe this pattern or describe this mentality now here by giving us three different illustrations now. And what Paul says, you ought to be Timothy like a soldier, like an athlete, and like a farmer. <laughs> if there's something that we want to end with, a, the character qualities that we want to hold on to are those three this evening. Lord, help me be more a soldier. Give me the heart of an athlete. And let me be patient and hardworking like a farmer. You know what the common denominator between those three illustrations that Paul gives Timothy, uh, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, is perseverance. Perseverance. It's the endurance that is needed now. It's the diligent consistency that is needed in their lives so that they can accomplish that which they are set out to do. Are you being diligent? in the way that you end the year? Are we being consistent in the way that we're ending the year here? Because these three qualities are so important and they serve as an encouragement in the day of difficulty here for Timothy and for you and for me. Are we going to be consistent? Are we going to remain faithful? Now notice what he says here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, You therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. A hard-working farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding in these things. We ask, Lord, that you would give us the diligence, the consistency, Lord, the commitment of a soldier, of an athlete, and of a farmer. God, I pray, Lord, that tonight we would eliminate the distractions, Lord, so that we can be focused, so that we can be disciplined, and so that we can also be patient. I pray, Lord, that you would remove, God, that which needs to be removed so that we can overcome the weakness of the flesh. Lord, take us to the place of repentance. Take us to the place of endurance. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and together we said, Amen. Now notice what he says here, and from verses 1 and 2, he says, Be strong. That is his first encouragement. And this is what we need to hear as well. Be strong. Would you say that together with me? Be strong. Now the reason why he's saying be strong, Timothy, is because Paul has left Timothy in one of the most fruitful and successful places of ministry in which Paul pioneered or planted, which was the church in Ephesus. And now Timothy is facing certain challenges because he's young and he's leading such a big, massive 
congregation or church in Ephesus. It was noted to be one of the largest works that Paul began. And we see noted in Scripture that Paul tells Timothy at least 25 times the word be strong. 25 times. This is one of the 25 times where Paul has to tell Timothy, be strong. Now, do you realize why Paul is telling Timothy to be strong? He needed to tell him often due to now the timid personality that Timothy had, but also to the discouragement that he was easily given over to. Not only was he timid, but Timothy was easily given over to discouragement. So because he was easily given over to discouragement, and because he was, had a timid now personality, Paul here is telling Timothy, Timothy, be strong. Therefore, you, my son, be strong now, but be strong in what? In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see, he's, saying, he's not saying, Timothy, you be strong in the flesh, or be strong in your gifts, or be strong in your talents, or be strong in your leadership ability. No, he's saying, be strong in the Lord. You know that the strength that he's talking about right here, the encouragement that he's telling them in order for you to overcome the discouragement and the opposition is that you would be strong in the inner person. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the inner man. And this is why he says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, what is our source of strength today? Our source of strength in the middle of pain is the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Our source of strength is found through Jesus Christ, through the unmerited favor that we have in the Son, Jesus. And he's saying your source of strength here now is in Jesus Christ and be strong, not in your own power now, but be strong in the Lord. You know what happens when we want to trust in ourselves or in our own strength? We are doomed to fail. And this is exactly why he's encouraging Timothy. Timothy, this is one of my last letters to you. I want you to know that you ought to rely on the grace and on the power of God. This is your divine help. This entire year we needed divine help. It was the grace of God that we ought to run to. And he's saying be strong with that divine help that keeps you going when others are also quitting and giving up. And the grace that is in Christ Jesus is the grace that is grounded now also in the power of the Holy Spirit and also in the confidence of the Word of God. So what he's telling them here, he's saying, Timothy, what I want you to do is I want you to walk in the confidence of the Word of God and I want you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can continue to be strong. Do you see that Timothy, what he needed was strength, but he also what he needed is endurance. Endurance. There are often times that we think that it's time to give up, and this is exactly why Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, be strong. But in verse 2, notice what he goes on and, and what he says, And the things which you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. You see, Timothy, the, these things that you've heard from me, I also not only want you to be strong, the source of your strength is the Lord, but you are to be strong in order that you are a good steward. 
in order that you are now faithful with that which you were entrusted, that you redeposit it to other people and to other men. In fact, he says this in verse 2. The things that you heard me teach you, the things that you have been learning, the things that you have received now, even in the presence of many reliable witnesses. I've discipled you publicly. There's many reliable witnesses that can give an account to that which I've taught you, but now you be faithful and redeposit those things to other faithful and trustworthy people who have proven spiritual character now, men that can pass this along to other people as well. You know what he's saying here? Timothy, I want you to invest now in others. I want you to teach others. I want you to be a good steward of that which you have received. In fact, Timothy, be strong, but also be a good steward. See, what good is it to have strength if you don't know how to use the strength? What good is it to be equipped if you're not available? And here what he's saying is be equipped, rely on the grace that is in Christ Jesus, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, rely and depend solely not on your own flesh or not on your own weakness, but rely on the Lord and then invest in other people. Now notice what he says as we continue reading here from verses 3 to 7. Because he not only wants Timothy to be strong, he also wants Timothy to be faithful. To be faithful. And that's what we want to be as we go into this next year. Be faithful. You know when faithfulness matters the most? Faithfulness does not matter the most when things are going easy. Faithfulness has the most impact when things are going hard. In fact, you discover how faithful you are or how faithful you really are not in the moment of hardship. If you are faithful through change and through crisis. And here, as he said, you know, be strong. And this is the source of your strength that is in Christ Jesus. Now he's going to say, be faithful. Give us examples of faithfulness. And he says, be faithful. And another word that he uses for this is endure hardship. Endured hardship. Can we read verse 3? Notice what he says. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now he says, you, he didn't say you should endure hardship. Or if you want to, but he says you must. This is your calling. This is your obligation now. You must endure hardship. See, the word endure means you must abide under you must bear up courageously now. You must patiently carry the heavy load of hardship. <laughs> Have you carried the load of hardship recently? Because hardship means you must patiently carry the Lord, the, the, the load of suffering or the load of affliction. Endure affliction, endure suffering now. You must be willing to do that. And notice what he says here now, because he, he, you must do it now as a good soldier. Not as a bad soldier, but as a good soldier. He uses soldier now, or the illustration, and the first illustration that we're going to look at tonight, which is a soldier, because the Christian life is a life of spiritual 
warfare. The Christian life is a life of spiritual warfare. And this is why we have to remember that we are soldiers. This is why we have to remember that we are in, on in and on active duty for the Lord. And it should not surprise us when we are in the middle of warfare. You see, if the believer, if you and I, are not willing to endure hardship, you will never accomplish that which God has called you to do. And the reason oftentimes why we are able, able, never able to see the blessings that God has for us is because we didn't want to take the road of hardship. We wanted to take a different highway. The highway of pleasure instead of the highway of hardship. <laughs> you know, some of the imp most important lessons that we've learned this year have been because of hardship. In fact, we would have not learned those lessons any other way outside of hardship. And maybe we would have not chosen those situations and circumstances for ourselves, but God so chose them for us in order that he can make us more like him. So here what Paul is telling Timothy is that you must endure as a good soldier, as a fighting soldier with fighting faith, now hardship. And notice that he says this, as a good soldier of who? Of Jesus Christ. Now he tells us in verse 4, what happens when you don't endure hardship? In fact, what is it that he tells us, or why is it that he brings up a soldier? Because a soldier in warfare, notice what a soldier is? He's focused. And when it comes to the soldier, he wants us to give us the illustration, not only of warfare, but also the illustration of focus. You are in spiritual warfare, therefore you must focus. Can you take that character quality with you into the next year that you ought to focus because you are in spiritual warfare? But look what he says here now. The focus of that man or woman that is in warfare. Notice, focus and not distracted. Verse 4, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that it may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You see what kind of soldier it is that we're called to be? A soldier that only pleases his commanding officer. That you are under the authority of your commanding officer. You are committed to the orders of our commanding officer. We are under the obligation to please our commanding officer and him alone. Regardless of how we feel. This is exactly now the focus and the loyalty that any good soldier is going to display. You know what a, a good soldier in warfare is not going to display? A divided heart or a divided mind. And, and in verse 4, what Paul is trying to tell Timothy, he's saying, be focused, do not become distracted because you're called to duty now. You ought to refuse anything that distracts you from obeying and doing what God called you to do. Don't let your interests be so divided that it weakens now your obedience. You know, oftentimes we're pulled in so many directions because we become interested in too many things and not the right things. And he's saying a, a soldier would never in warfare 
be entangled with things of the outside world or things that have nothing to do with that which he's engaged in or else he won't be able to please he who enlisted him, which is his commanding officer. He can't please him. You know what this is telling us? That you cannot please the Lord if you're looking always to please yourself. Who are you looking to please? Because here in verse 4, notice what it says, no one engaged entangles himself. Think about the word entangles as if someone who is now being wrapped in their own distractions. Someone that's being tripped up upon their own interests. I wonder how many of us have entangled ourselves this year that we weren't able to effectively wage a good warfare. You know that when you are engaged, you no longer can be entangled. And if you become entangled, guess what happens? You no longer are engaged in that warfare. You see, this is so important here when it comes to the, the focus that we need to have. Because as soon as we become distracted, as soon as that focus is gone, we can no longer do effectively what God has called us to do. Are you focused, number one? But not only focus, look at in verse 5 as we continue reading, because he's talking about a, not only about a focus, which is, is a consistent focus, but also now here a discipline. A discipline. There are many that maybe started with some focus, but because they lack discipline, their focus was lost. <laughs> and now he's going to give us the illustration of an athlete. A soldier is focused. A soldier is committed to the warfare. But an athlete is also disciplined now in order to be able to compete the right way. And it says in verse 5, And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. <laughs> you see, when it comes to an athlete now, as he gives us an illustration, he says, an athlete cannot win unless he competes according to the rules. And an athlete, notice, what, what does an athlete do as he's preparing for that competition? There's an effort, there's a self-discipline now, there's a determination, there's self-control. Notice that? Self-control and a consistency in order that he or she may compete successfully. Is there now a discipline that we are carrying with us in order that we can run the race in our Christian life successfully? Not, not only successfully, think about this more, victoriously. Victoriously. Because when you don't have discipline, notice what happens? You live a life of defeat. You live a life of constant defeat. And there are many of us that, that have, have forfeited, forfeited discipline and therefore inherited defeat. Inherited defeat. Do you see what, it, what, what Paul is saying here? This is a, a, a picture now of an athlete pursuing spiritual victory. Are you pursuing spiritual victory today? And not only that, as you are pursuing spiritual victory, think about the, the wasted hard work 
if after months or even years of training now for this competition, what would happen if after months or years of training now, you go and, you, and it's time to compete, but you don't compete according to the rules? <laughs> Do you see here that in verse 5, he says now, he must compete according to the rules or else he cannot be crowned. What is this a call to for us? Why is it that he's telling us to be disciplined as an athlete? Because this is a call to obey the word of God now in the pursuit of spiritual victory. You have to be competing by the rules. (laughs) Stay in the rules. You cannot be crowned unless you compete, unless you are obeying it now the set of commandments that God has given us and that is in the Word of God. How else can we pursue spiritual victory outside of the Word of God? Do you know that you, there, you will never experience spiritual victory outside of the Word of God? That's why even as we're ending the year, you, you must ask yourself, how much time did you spend in the Word of God this year? That is a question you cannot go into next year without asking yourself. How much time did I spend in the Word of God this year? How much time do you want to spend in the Word of God next year? (laughs) Do you have a plan to read the entire Bible from cover to cover? Because if you don't have a plan, more more than likely you're not going to do it. You know what a plan speaks about? It speaks about discipline. I'm going to discipline myself every single day. Because I'm pursuing spiritual victory. Because I'm pursuing spiritual victory. But notice how he goes on in verse 6 now. And he says, The hard-working farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Not only the focused soldier, the disciplined athlete, but the hard-working farmer. Do you see now the traits that each illustration brings to us. What is the first one? A focused soldier, a disciplined athlete, and a hard-working farmer. What is it? Focus, discipline, hard work. (laughs) You see, in order for us to be able to live a life of endurance, we must have those three things. Focus, discipline, and hard work. You'll never be able to live a life of perseverance or endurance or endure hardship without those three character qualities that Paul is giving us through this illustration. And he's saying the hardworking now farmer. Now I want you to know that the word hardworking comes from the word labor. And it really describes someone that not only labors, but labors to the point of exhaustion. To the point of exhaustion. If you study the life of a farmer, you you realize that they are up at dawn and they don't come back inside until the sun sets. (laughs) They're hardworking people. But they work and they labor to the point of exhaustion. What is it that motivates the farmer, though? Ask yourself. What motivates their hard work? What motivates the hard work of the farmer is that in their physical effort, they are rewarded now by the hope now that they will one day have a good harvest. We're going to work hard in hopes that we will have and see a good 
harvest now. So what is he telling Timothy here? He's saying, Timothy, don't be lazy. <laughs> Why is it that we need to hear that tonight? Because a lot of the church is becoming lazy. The men are not being the spiritual leaders that they need to be. Are the families being kept in order? You know why he says hardworking farmer also? Because what does a farmer do? You know what a farmer does after he works hard? What, what is he also known for? His what? His patience. <laughs> His patience. And this really speaks to us about maturity, but it also speaks to us about durability. Durability. You see, it would be foolish. A farmer would think it foolish of someone that goes to lay his seed and sow a seed and, and come the next day expecting for a bountiful fruit. Oftentimes, that's what we want. <laughs> Lord, we sowed into it right now. We want to see it next week. We want to see the fruit next week. Oftentimes, you won't see the fruit of that which you have sown. Maybe never. <laughs> You know what the farmer is willing to do? He's willing to continue to work hard. He's willing to continue to work hard. And in verse 7, notice what he goes on. He says, consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Carefully consider these three illustrations. That the, that the soldier who stops fighting before the battle is finished will never see victory. That the athlete who stops running before the race is over will never win the race. <laughs> that the farmer now who stops working before the harvest now is complete will never see the fruit of his crop. Focus, discipline, hard work. Now let's look at verse 8 now to verse 13 because now he points him over to Jesus. You know these three qualities, but you know what you need to be redirected to? To Jesus. <laughs> and notice what he says here now. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Remember Jesus. Remember that it was Jesus now, descendant of David, who was raised from the dead. And this is the good news that I've been preaching. And because of this good news, I'm suffering now persecution. He knew what it was like to suffer persecution. Notice what he says in verse 9. For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, or they count me as an evildoer, because I'm preaching this very message now, the message that is central now in the resurrection now, or in the power of the resurrection. That is the central theme of my message, Paul is saying. The redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 9, as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. <laughs> you see, I may be facing persecution because of what I'm sharing. But what is not chained, I may be chained, but what is never chained, and what no one can chain, is the word of God. Isn't it awesome to see the power of the word of God that nothing and no one can stop the word of God? Now let's look in verse 10. It says, Therefore, because of this, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. 
And because of this, I'm going to endure all affliction for the sake of others, knowing and being saved now that it's going to result in eternal glory. I'm, I choose to endure now this. And in verse 11 or 13, as we, as we come to an end, it says, this is a faithful saying. Talking about the nature of the Father and of the Son. It says, for if we died with Him, we also will live with Him. Have we died with Him? What does it mean if we died with Him, we're going to live with Him? If you died to that old life, and you are walking in the newness of life, you have been born again, guess what? You will also live with Him. What is it that we have to do every single day? We have to continue to die to our flesh. And notice what He continues saying. It says, and if we endure, we, also, we shall also reign with Him. And if we endure hardships, if we endure these now trials and, and these seasons that we're going through, guess what's going to happen now? We shall also reign with Him. But if we deny Him, He will also deny us. And we permanently turn our back on the Lord and desire to walk after the lust of the flesh, guess what? He cannot share now His presence with sin. But notice this very last verse as we come to a close in verse 13. But if we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Isn't that a promise today that God cannot contradict His own very nature? What is the very nature of God that He will never contradict? It is that He is faithful. He is faithful. He cannot deny Himself. And if there's anything that we've seen this entire year as we've really walked through valleys of hardship, is patterns of the faithfulness of God. You know what you really learn in valleys of hardship? The patterns of the faithfulness of God. In the valleys of hardship, you learn the rhythm of the faithfulness of God. What is that rhythm that you would ask yourself? It's that even when we have been faithless, when we haven't trusted Him, He still has been faithful. When we haven't looked to Him, He still has been faithful to us. Maybe we weren't faithful, but He wasn't faithless. He never denied himself. He never contradicted his own nature. And that's why tonight we're going to come to the faithfulness of God. We're going to come to the very faithfulness of God tonight. As we prepare our hearts right now for communion. And when I ask the Lord, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness, yes. But Lord, give us a heart to be strong and to endure hardship with focus, with discipline. And also give us a heart to endure now with hard-working labor. Why? So that next year we can say, Lord, it has been a year of walking in the valley, discovering the patterns of your own faithfulness. Why don't we go ahead and pray right now? Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because 
this year we can remember the hardships, Lord. But in every hardship, Lord, we remember your faithfulness as well. We ask right now, Lord Jesus, that if we've entangled, if we have entangled ourselves with something that that doesn't please you, that is pleasing the flesh, that we would renounce that. That if we have entangled ourselves with it, our own desire that was never of you, that was of us, that we would forsake that. Lord, give us focus. The focus of a soldier that is engaged in warfare. I pray, Lord, that we would not endanger our families because we have lost focus in the warfare. Lord, we thank you also because in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, we find strength for discipline. And I ask for any of us, even tonight, that lack in the area of discipline, that lack in the area of consistency, Lord, that in your grace you would strengthen that. Lord, give us a heart, Lord, for patience, a heart for hard work, Lord. We just want to come before you tonight, Lord, and release any of the burdens that we are carrying. Renounce any burdens, Lord, that you're calling us to let go of, Lord Jesus. We ask that at the cross, Lord, we would renew our commitment. Give us endurance for this next season, Lord. Give us endurance for this next year, Lord. We want to be filled by your Holy Spirit. We want to be filled by your presence so that we can please you, so that we can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Why don't we worship with these few songs before we are ready to take communion.